Hello and welcome to the Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I am your host, and I am thrilled once again to be joined by my partner in crime, the Don Draper of Ultra Running, the Fulham Flyer, the Shawangunk Express, the Andy Wacker to my Andy Warhol, Phil Vondra. Welcome back to the Pain Cave. Thanks, Jay. It's good to be back in the cave. Uh, you know, mid February, and here we are again, freezing down in the cave with beer. What could what could be better? Somehow it's colder down here in the cave than it is outside, which is interesting. <laughs> It's good. Um, so one thing I'm going to make a conscious effort to do tonight is talk a little bit slower. You know, I realize I listen to a lot of podcasts, especially, you know, commuting to work or running, and I listen to everything on like time and a half speed. Right. And I think it's affected me when we talk. I feel like when I listen to our podcast now, I feel like I'm rushing through everything because right. the podcasts are supposed to go really, really fast well, in my head. You just so. listen to it on half speed. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> a little bit of everything for everyone, you know? We get too fired up. It's too exciting. We talk fast. So we are back for our semi-regular podcast show called This Month in Ultra Running. Uh, it has been a couple months, actually. And this yeah. is where we you know, do our usual rundown of the race results and issues and things going on in the ultra and trail world. Before we start tonight, Phil, what is our beer of the evening? All right. Well, I think we're uh, kind of regulars with this kind of beer. It's, this is a collaboration, Other Half and Equilibrium Brewing. It's kind of um, a six-anniversary type beer for them, and uh, it's called Lab Daydream. It's an imperial Indian pale ale, rocking in at 10%, so we'll have a pillow on standby for you. Jesus Christ. All right. Okay. Let's crack it. Other Half, that's a regular on the show now. Yeah. Yeah. We do well. Where is... Uh, uh, kind of your sippy cup. Thank you. Where is Equilibrium? Other Equilibrium half's Brooklyn. Middletown. Oh, right. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Another half are in... Uh, Imperial. Red Hook. Yeah. Other half's in Red Hook. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, in, in Brooklyn. The original Red, Red Hook. Hook. Yeah. Was, oh, tricked right, me with cheers. the upstate Red Hook. Back cheers. at it. Mm. Ah, they, nef- they definitely know what they're doing when it comes to making... That's really good. Yeah, I usually so, don't like Imperials, but that's a that's a uh, light Imperial. Yeah, it's uh, it's very very smooth. I mean, so mm. easy to drink. Okay, I had to have a little more there. Yeah, give me give me a little more of that. That's delicious. Uh, now I'm getting worried. All right, this is going to be problematic. I'm okay, glad so I didn't smoke anything before we came down here. I was about to take an edible actually. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, that would have been a real mess. Yeah, I can't. I, did I tell you? Did I tell you? Afterwards. Did I tell you the story? I I can't drink and smoke anymore. Yeah, I, I know. I yeah. know the story. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's, let's keep that between <laughs> a close group of friends. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Probably for the best. So it's been it's been a minute, as the kids say. It's been about two months since we potted last. In our last episode, we did a very brief rundown of uh, the late season results before we did our uh, Ultra Runner of the Year voting ballot. Uh, recap with with Rich, which yep. I encourage everybody to go back and listen to. is kind of a fun episode and a fun recap of yeah, 2019 and, and kind of how we all value different things. I think it was a little bit instructive, and I'm sure many of the names good. that we're going to talk about tonight, obviously, are going to pop up again. I'm sure a lot point. of them have uh, adjusted their seasons just to please us. Yes, most most definitely. It's quite quite the thing. So so yeah, it's been it's been a little while, and you know the the early season. Sometimes ramps up slowly, but there's definitely plenty of things uh, that we are going to want to get to and plenty of recent results we're going to want to touch on. Before we do that, though, there are a couple of kind of stories floating around that I wanted to 
get your opinion on and, and talk a little bit about, you know, because this is the time of year for, you know, different uh, issues and, and sort of things before we get into the meat of the season where it's just going to be, you know, all the big names racing, you know, and the big races kind of packed in hard and fast together. Um, and one that we touched on very briefly, I think we talked about for maybe 15 seconds on our last episode, was the surprise cancellation of the North Face Endurance Challenge uh, racing series. This is a, a series of trail races mostly that have been around since 07. Yeah. Um, yep. It was a series of races across the country, uh, the, the mainstays being in, in right, right here in our backyard in Bear Mountain, yep. about 40 minutes down the road. Uh, there was one in Washington, D.C., in uh, Wisconsin, I think, Wisconsin, uh, on, yeah. the, on the Ice Age Trail or parts of the Ice Age Trail. There was a Park City one that, Park City, that, yeah. that drew some, some folks. Recently, Massachusetts had one over the last few years. And then, of yep. course, Definitely. the series would culminate in California in either late November, early December. And, you know, we've, we've talked often about how that's, you know, kind of the de facto closer of the year for kind of the elite racing schedule with a couple of things scattered at here and yeah. there. But that, was, that had really become because of... I think because of the the location being in the the Marin Headlands and that the huge kind of ultra running and trail running community based around there and you know because North Face was putting on a quality event and because the the final did have a fairly sizable prize purse it really did draw one of the best fields of the year. Yeah. Uh, this mean, year being no exception it was a, a great yep. 50 mile and it was very surprising when shortly afterwards they announced that the series would not be back in 2020. Now, it's been very cryptic, and nobody really seems to know, at least nobody on the outside that I've talked to, really seems to know exactly why this happened um, and also what's coming next. The The press release that North Face released had hinted at some something coming in the future, although it was very vague and, and really didn't say much of anything. Yeah, they so said I, they were going to say something, right? And kind of the clock's kind of ticking it's a little bit. Silence it's been radio silence. It's a few then. months now. Right. And, you know, I would have thought we would have heard something. So, you know, I just wanted to get your opinion on on what do you think this means for kind of not so much for North Face, because I'm, I'm sure they're going to be fine, obviously, as a company. But, you know, what does this mean for the 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 ultra running scene in general, you know, specific, specifically towards the end of the year? What impact does this have on some other races, maybe uh, around the time frame that that the the. California championships would normally be coming up. And what does this mean for ultra running in general when a, a major series like this, I don't want to say goes under, but just yeah. vanishes? I, I think, you know, I don't think this is any reflection on ultra, uh, ultra running and kind of, you know, the financial side of the of this, this uh, racing series. I mean, they put on a brilliant race, all the races they did. I've only heard good things about them. Right. You know, they had this ability to put on a race for a lot of people but make it kind of small and feel small and friendly but yet they had you know did they have a thousand people at bear mountain probably across all the distances oh yeah at you least know, like yeah at least you know it was it was really well put on i was really enjoyed doing the 50 mile there a few years ago mm -hmm. i thought it was great um you know i'm really surprised i mean obviously the North Face, San Fran, you know, the Marin Headlands one is going to be a huge loss in terms of, you know, I've never seen that event without a really good quality field, men's right. and women's field, you know, both super deep, really exciting racing, you know, because it had quite a bunch of hills on it. 
but it was quite runnable trails. You know, kind of anything could happen at that race. It was it was super exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Some, some of the races we've seen there over the years. I mean, you think about the the great battles that Zach Miller had oh, there. Yeah. I mean, one, one of the great one of the great trail films of all time. Just yeah. the, the last you know two minutes of Zach. I, I don't remember which year it was. Maybe twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen. And um, some great film from there. And, and really, you know, the the big the biggest names in the sport taking on that course and and doing really good battles um and that's that's sad to to lose out on yeah i mean i had heard a little bit of a rumor that uh, there was some kind of falling out between north face and the race management company but i just can't believe that you know that's something that couldn't be figured out i mean how badly can you fall out i mean right it just didn't make sense to me i mean maybe it is the case i'm not sure but i'm really surprised i mean I mean, I've there's only the, heard good things about right. these races, and for them just to disappear completely, yeah, it's huge. And you know, like you say, how bad could it be? And there, there's other race management companies, yeah. Or, or this is something that, right? This is I, I, I was wasn't surprised that they had a race management company, but I, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised to learn that this was an in-house operation that they just hired a their own race management team. Why couldn't they have just done that? I yeah. mean, like you say, the, these. It's a I big mean, enough series to do that. Exactly right. right. I mean, you're you're bringing in, and they weren't cheap. The races weren't cheap. No. Um, and you're bringing in, you know, they, they had distances from 10k up to yeah, uh, something for up everyone. to a 50 mile. They had half marathons, and and they had a marathon relay, and they had a marathon, and they were right. They had tons of people. I'm sh- I, I can't imagine they weren't a profitable series. Yeah, I'm sure they um, were profitable. And so just marketing wise, I mean, you know, it's like it was a quality brand, you know, right, and that reflected in you know, their equipment and the way they put their races on. I mean, everything was like good about it. And like I said, it had that kind of, it was a big race, but with a small race feel, which and I think is a great way to put on a race. That, that's that's what always struck me about. I ran the 50K at Bear Mountain several times. And yeah, it was, I mean, it, it certainly, it didn't feel necessarily like your, you know, your neighborhood race. Like you didn't know the race director or anything like that. But they did an excellent job of not having the, kind of corporate side of it really in your face and and right having a a community feel to it despite the fact that it was you know really a branded experience yeah um but it was it was a a cool finish line scene um even with some of the logistical problems around the bear mountain event in in uh, particular with the parking and everything else they 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 still managed that wasn't terrible it wasn't terrible they managed it it bust you in that was kind of fine yeah and and you know, it's it it is going to be a loss for the 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 Northeast Trail scene because totally, that was yeah. it was a big early season kind of early spring race. I mean, there are other yeah. races. I mean, this is, it could be great for the Rock the Ridge, our local fifty mile, which was generally either the same weekend or one yeah. weekend apart, and what you know, kind of competing slightly for a, a slightly mm-hmm. different um, clientele, but yeah. Could see a little bit of a bump Maybe good there. For Cayuga trails. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. You, might, you might see a little bit of a bump for a Cayuga trail. There are multiple trails. distances there as well. So now that that has the marathon, also, yeah. But um, I mean, it, it's it, and and you know, Massachusetts was kind of in the same ballpark, I think, where they had right. several other races in that in that time frame. But you know, mm. for DC, there aren't a ton of races in the DC area. I mean, you've got in in Virginia, uh, you got the Happy Trails races, but mm. you know that yeah. was kind of a mainstay in the DC scene. And and the loss of the California races is a big deal, obviously, as we've mentioned yeah. a few times. It's 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 a bummer. It's a bummer. Now I wonder. I mean, right? Stuff like this always makes me a little bit nervous 
when we just talk about the scene in general. Like, you know, I, I think we, we've kind of, you know, we've grown used to over the last few years this almost exponential growth in the sport where it's just new races and new faces and, and, and new series and, and all this popping up and there's more coverage and there's more media, at least in our little, you know, community. But I, I, I wonder if, I, if that impression of constant growth and, and all this money coming in, if that's a little bit of fool's gold. And when stuff like this happens, I always get a little nervous. Like, is, is, it, is this growth of the sport real or is, is a cancellation like this a harbinger of, you know, you really, you know, you can't turn a profit on I can't imagine that, it's, that this was a, a purely financial decision, but who knows? Yeah, um, I, I don't think this is related to growth of the sport or, or money. This is some, you know, management, logistical kind of issues have gone on. Um, I, I don't know. Hopefully we'll find out soon. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the recent entrance of Spartan into the trail scene and... That tells you the sport's growing. Not that's what I would think. Go. Right. That's what I would think. And, and I wonder if that had any sort of impact on this where Spartan is putting together a similar kind of series and championship and, and that did you know, even in its first year, attract a lot of big names and a lot of social media attention to to the Spartan Trail Championship. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe that's maybe that put a little bit of pressure on TNF. I, I don't really know. I don't, I don't want to speculate necessarily, although that's generally what we do on the show anyway, is just talk out our asses without any actual information. What's going to happen to the end of the year now? Uh, does JFK take on uh, increased Possibly. profit? Uh, yeah, I mean... The thing with JFK is, I mean, some of it's on the roads. It's a kind of different race. I mean, it's going to suit a different kind of racer a little bit. You know, I mean, yeah, Marin Headlands had a good amount of vert on it. JFK's doesn't JFK's quite have a lot that. flatter. I mean, you got some climbing early on, but not much. But they're both very runnable courses. Yes, um, they are. I mean, yeah. you know, just to go bring it back to Zach Miller, JFK is the race where Zach kind of burst onto the scene. Yeah. And uh, that was before kind of most of us had really heard of him um it does suit a similar kind of runner i think or at least both courses suit you know relative speedsters i would say um neither of them particularly technical uh, you know jfk is the oldest ultra run in the country and his, it's historically very very important and you know most of the big names have you know taken that that race on and i wonder if if it kind of gains it even a little bit more in provenance in in uh, prominence now that you know no, that north face isn't going to be an option at least for this year yeah i think i mean i think we'll see probably a deeper field at jfk this year based off that i mean i'm sure some people go and do that race i mean you know it does have a big profile and a good field um and then i guess see what happens going forward i mean maybe north face pops back up um yeah, like we said, they hinted at something. So who yeah. knows what could be coming down the pike? Um, you know, we'll we'll have to see in 2021 or or beyond that if there's. I can't, like I said, I can't imagine they're out of the game no, completely. And you know, particularly they're still. I mean, they're still heavily invested in sponsoring athletes. I mean, yeah. they still have Debo, totally. they still have Rob Carr, they still have Corey Waltering, and yep. you know, a number of other runners. So I'm I'm sure they're not out of the game completely. So. Uh, you know, I'd be hard pressed to see them just completely exiting the stage here. Agreed. So on to something else that we are going to talk about without really knowing 
<laughs> too much what about, about? <laughs> the, the the biggest <laughs> the biggest story outside of actual racing and and actually I think kind of overshadowing some of the recent race results in in the ultra world was the the Sage versus Coop uh, Twitter showdown which uh, we'll, I, I wanted to touch on briefly just because it was kind of a bizarre story that yeah. kind of popped up out now I'm not really on Twitter. I mean, I have an account that I never use, and so I, I don't really know how to follow things on Twitter or whatever. And, I, you know, unless something kind of, quote unquote, blows up, I, I'm never really aware of it. But this was kind of funny. Yeah. And it, um, it escalated quickly, I think, is what they said. It did. No, and this this may be, <laughs> uh, you know, for, for Twitter in general, this may be, no, this may just be another day on Twitter. I don't really know. Oh, I'm sure it is, yeah. <laughs> but in ultra running, you don't really see that kind of, you know, but there was a bit of a there was a bit of a throwdown. I mean, as as best as I can piece piece together, what happened was Coop and I, I guess Jeff Browning were on a podcast talking about nutrition. Yeah. Uh, Jeff being famously uh, OFM, you know, uh, low carb, high fat guy, and Coop being, I would say, famously anti that approach, basically, as right. a lot of um, professional coaches are. And it, it sounded like the the discussion was actually. Uh, productive and uh, respectful and everything else. Not that I would expect anything different from either of those guys. And as far as I could piece together on Twitter afterwards, somebody had asked Jeff a question about his recovery while on the OFM diet. And Jeff had uh, postulated, and Jeff basically said, yeah, I I can't really, he he was saying that he he recovers a lot faster. Mm. And, uh, you know, he he basically said, "I, I can't really explain it, although here's a possible explanation. And Coop basically came back and said, that's bogus. You know, there's right. there's no way that that's the explanation. So Sage chimed in with another uh, explanation. And Coop basically also said, you know, you guys are trying to simplify this complex process into just one thing. And making a good point that the, the body is a very complex machine and that these are very yeah. uh, dynamic processes that, you know, you can't really isolate one biochemical marker or something that's going to contribute to this. Eh, maybe Coop didn't say it in the greatest or the most um, diplomatic way possible. Right. Uh, I think the quote was something along the lines of, it's okay, Sage, I fell asleep in nutrition in college also. Probably joking, probably meant to have a ha-ha-ha uh, after Right, that, it, but... seemed, it seemed funny, but <laughs> you know, nuance, nuance obviously is easy yeah. to, to lose online no, in emails okay, yeah. or Twitter or whatever. Yeah. Sage did not like that no, and um, did not like the... the Coop had posted a, a diagram about, you know, the way the body works or nutrition. Sage yeah. didn't like that and didn't like what the diagram was purporting. And right. Coop just said, no, this is to make it, make my point that just everything is very complex. And then yeah. it got into a thing about who went to what college. And yeah, um, I, 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 at least I learned which colleges they went to. <laughs> See, I knew that already. Oh, right. Yeah. So that but was being a Cornell, man, being yourself, a Cornell right? man myself. Exactly. But and then it it somebody somebody basically said, look, why doesn't everyone state their argument in terms of a poem? And Coop put up a little haiku about. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I like the haiku. And well, it was, didn't like that. <laughs> it was something about uh, you know simple processes can't or complex processes can't be explained with simple metrics or something along those lines. And Sage put up a limerick, basically taking a, a dig at Coop for working with. Carmichael training systems yes, and alluding yeah. not at all subtle, subtly to their uh, to the history of Chris Carmichael and yeah. Uh, doping. Yep. Now, yeah, that was 
escalating things slightly. <laughs> I mean... It, it did come a little bit out of left field. Yeah. Now, and I will say this, and, and Coop reacted, I think, with a mixture of anger and exasperation. And I think, right. I think he's probably he's tired. Before, I, I think. think he's probably tired of answering these questions or, or uh, kind of responding to these sort of comments. Now, let's, let's say this, uh, just to, to be clear about something. The, the uh, association, or, okay. Chris Carmichael himself has never been necessarily proven to have done anything untoward. However, it is fairly, I think, clear to a close observer of uh, Lance Armstrong's career of of what happened in cycling in the late 90s and the 2000s and, and going forwards that he was, I would say, at least aware of, if not complicit by omission, in Armstrong's doping. I'm not saying he supplied anything or advised him on it, right. but I, I think it's it's hard to, it would be hard to believe that he had no knowledge of right. anything like that. Furthermore, there were allegations that he had participated in, uh, while, while he was the coach of the U.S. Junior National Cycling Team, he had participated in uh, doping some athletes uh, actually against their knowledge or oh, wow. without their knowledge, okay. I should say. Again, that's alleged and was settled out of court, so we don't yeah. really know. But um, there is certainly some smoke there in the past for Chris mm-hmm. Carmichael. Yeah. Now, that is not. I, I would say, I would say two things about this. One is obviously it's not fair to paint Coop with the doper's brush just because of his association with. Uh, Carmichael training systems and you know from everything I know and and I've met Coop very briefly he's a super nice guy I think he's a really good coach and I don't think he himself has any association with doping or dopers or anything like that Mm -hmm. Uh, and to imply even obliquely that that might be the case is especially (laughs) especially in a conversation that really had nothing to do with any of these things uh, I think is uh, uncalled for Having said that, Coop works for Carmichael by choice. I mean, he made that choice when he started coaching, uh, or maybe not when he started, but certainly years ago, he he made that choice in, I would assume, with full knowledge of the history of um, Chris Carmichael and, and everything that, that that might imply. And that choice seems to have worked very well for him. He has a lot of very high-profile clients who have had a lot of great success, and he's clearly one of the top coaches in the sport. And I'm sure he's made a, a very nice living because, you know, in, in at least small part because of the infrastructure that CTS provides for him. And how was that infrastructure built, I guess, is the, the question. Exactly. And, and whether or not it was built, well, let's say it this way. When you make a conscious decision to associate yourself with that infrastructure, I think you have to know that these challenges and these associations are being made in people's minds. And I think you have to be willing to answer to them. Now, Coop does seem willing to do so and actually said to Sage on Twitter, as far as I could follow, and again, following these different Mm -hmm. threads is kind of hard, but basically said, look, if you have a problem with this, let's talk about this, you know, not in this format. Let's have an actual conversation about this, which is, I think, the the right response. But I, I mean... It may be unfair, but when you make that decision to that that this is the the name that you're going to tie your career to, at least in this stage of Coop's career, I think those questions are fair. 
or at least to make that insinuation, maybe not in this forum, but at least to make that connection, is fair to, to question. Do you agree or? Yeah. Because I, 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 I don't know if I'm thinking of this in the wrong way. You know, I, I think one of the things as well, Sage, is like his stance on doping is like he's one of the most vocal people on the whole thing. I just think that, you know, the kind of attack was a little like off topic. It was right. maybe got a little personal. I don't know. I'm just. I agree. And I agree with Coop that this was not the forum, the yeah. forum for this. And, and I, honestly, it really did come out of left field. So it was yeah. kind of weird. But Although maybe it's a little bit of a setup. They're having this big old fight on Twitter and they're going to do a podcast. And they're going to have like <laughs> 25,000 listeners. You know, it's well, just like the two heavyweights. And this was the last question I had for you before we move on is, is, is this sort of thing good for the sport? Is it kind of good to drum up a little controversy and have a little some rivalry maybe and yeah, I, I mean think so you know I, I would I think a little bit juicy you know you know I would never wish you know animosity on anyone or anything like that and you know but as a fan it's kind of fun to see something like this sometimes yeah, definitely I mean, as long as nobody's I'm sure they're all over it by now whatever. I'm sure right. you know they've, they've made up they've moved on hopefully. I hope so hopefully and it's great that this is a you know Obviously, that the trail and ultra community is uh, very welcoming and very friendly, and and generally we compete against each other, and then, you know, have a beer and you know, yeah. share war stories, and everyone is is you know, it, it is a, a very welcoming, very inclusive sport. But it's nice to butt heads a little bit sometimes. Yeah, you know, kind of a little fun. bit of controversy is I mean, not a problem. You know, I I hopefully they didn't take it too personally. They've moved on, and you know, we're awaiting the uh, the pod where they're both going to be on it, and we can hear them duking out the the final battle there. Maybe it could be on your pod with your, you know, medical knowledge of these, <laughs> you know, how to recover post-race. You could start it off like that. All right, maybe we'll do that or maybe we'll just wait for them to slug it out at Lake Sonoma or something. It'll just come to blows. <laughs> Fighting over a birthday cake gel or something <laughs> in the last one. All right. All right, very good. Let's get on to the business, the usual business of this podcast, which is, what else has been going on in ultra running, which is to say running. Like we said, it's been a couple months since we uh, were last on and, and we've got plenty of results to get to. The The main stories of the last couple of months on the domestic side are definitely the golden ticket races mm -hmm. as we start gearing up again for this spring and, and Western states. And um, we had some, some good racing at the two golden ticket races that we've had so far, uh, Bandera and Black Canyon. Let's yeah. start with Bandera because the big story out of there was an East Coast boy making good. Yeah, that was good. Drew Holman, right? He was um, not in the lead for a while. He was he was lagging a little bit behind. Was he? I think he was in third place for a while. Yeah, and then uh, he yeah, came charging late. It sounded like he was charging. I mean, I think kind of you know you have that last climb kind of before the finish. I think he kind of caught uh, Alex Nichols there mm -hmm. and uh, got past him, and I think he one by a minute or two minutes or something in the end. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, what a great finish from him. And he's he's definitely coming to the kind of forefront now. You know, people didn't know his name after Cayuga Trails, you know, which he right. won in uh, in May. Yep. Uh, they do now. Um, yeah, very impressive. We definitely talked about him on our Ultra Runner of the Year episode yeah. with Rich. I don't know that any of us had him... In the top ten, I think we had we had definitely. I think he was one to he was like one to watch. Yeah, I think he, we said and and you know three big races last year. Uh, fourth at uh, way too cool, uh, the win at Cayuga Trails in a, a pretty fast time, especially on the the newer course, 
and then you know capping off the year with fourth place at uh north face north face yeah which was it's a very good year but he still came in i think as a, a definite underdog to yeah. to alex and and others at bandera yeah um but yeah uh, really really impressive win I, I mean even after the great results he had last year i think you could still call this a breakthrough win 813 a very solid time on that course yep yeah um, really good really excited to see him in uh western states it's going to be it's going to be his 100-mile cool. debut, I think. Yeah. So that'll be really exciting. And, you know, he's got that kind of profile that we like. He's yep. got the, he's the kind of guy that can, you know, flash some speed and, you Do know. something special on yeah, the day, right? Yeah, so uh, we'll talk more about that, obviously, as June gets closer. Um, you know, it's a tough race for rookies, but it has yeah. happened. And a common theme on this podcast, I think, that uh, Dave Roach client is we're going to keep Name checking Dave because uh, his his athletes have been really tearing it up over the last couple really months. Have. Yeah, um, and uh, both of us being a little bit biased, probably I would say a little bit maybe. <laughs> Alex, um, who I think has been the runner up at Western States in the past, taking the the golden ticket there. Cole Watson, yep. a hard luck third place in yeah. eight eighteen, only only five minutes off the win and in golden ticket position for most of the day, yeah. uh, unfortunately is, uh, had missed out there, but I'm sure we'll see him at one of the later ones. Uh, Ryan Montgomery in fourth at 835, another good showing there. And then those were the only four under nine hours. Jeff Mogavera was sixth and 915. Justin Grunewald, who's been running real well, yeah, was seventh really and 920. Is, yeah. And Colton Gale, a young gun who we've heard a lot from recently, eighth and 927. I, I think I missed... Um, Andrew Bale, sorry, in, in 912 for fifth. Can How did I run 923 there? I have no... I mean, these are I names mean, that I should not be... contention for a golden ticket. These are names you know? that I should never, ever be mentioned with. How did yeah. that ever happen? You know, I, I, you just had that day. You know, that I'm never going to have that day again. That, yeah, you I mean, will. that's... You just got to keep believing it, keep going back. <laughs> that, was our, that was our first... Do up. you remember that? That was our first 100K. Yeah. For both of we, us. we bought cowboy hats, right? We did buy we cowboy hats. Maybe that's your secret. Wherever you go, you buy a cowboy Maybe hat. Maybe I have to buy a cowboy hat. That's that was, yeah. I mean, I'm going to retire with that being the best race of my life. I mean. Run, you know, run in a cowboy hat and a pair <laughs> of Speedos, and you're going to rock that course. The women's race, uh, Elsa McDonald winning it in 916, a very, yeah. very impressive time. Yeah. Um, Michelle McGagna, a little bit of an unknown coming in in 943 for second place and having the second golden ticket. Yep. Not a very deep field after that. And no. this is the same kind of thing that we've, We've talked about it. We, I think feel like we talk about this every year is that at, at Bandera, and I don't know why I feel like Bandera more than any other race, it's, you know, one year will be super deep yeah. and everyone will freak out. Yeah. Because last year it was unbelievable. I yeah, mean, it was super deep. It was crazy. Year. It was Bethany yeah. and Brittany and Kay, I mean, Casey. Casey did not get a golden ticket there. And there were, I mean, it was crazy, crazy deep. Yeah. And then this year, you know, I mean, Elsa, a, a very well-known and very accomplished runner, and yep. that was a great time. There were two people under 10 and a half hours. Third place yeah. was 1042. Fifth place was 1122. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's nuts how it, it vacillates between yeah. super deep and then everyone freaks out and, and it gets really thin. And that's this is both on the men's and the women's side. Yeah. It's, it's really yeah, weird totally. how that happens. You did have a couple of high-profile DNFs um, that, that had they finished, I think, probably would have you know, help the field look a little bit deeper. Amanda Basham, who has I th- I've been pretty active on social media and, and doing some uh, interesting stuff recently, but but did DNF there. And Cat Bradley also DNF'd yeah. at, at 
Bandera. So, you know, could have been a little bit different, but um, yeah. But I'm, not as strong as last year on the men's and women's front. Uh, exactly. Again. Exactly. After, after, so next year it'll be really strong. So next strong year again. it'll be, it'll be right. Yeah. It's crazy how that, how that works. Yep. Black Canyon was recently just a couple weeks ago. Let's talk about the women first on the Black Canyon side because Camille was certainly the big name coming out for the, for the day. Camille, the last time we saw her in action was it across the years, about six weeks prior to this, where she DNF'd. Yeah, she was. Um, well, I mean, it's a timed race, so there's yeah. no such thing, I guess. But you know, had announced her intention to go after the 48-hour world record and went, uh, I think, about 100k in a little under nine hours, and then. Uh, stopped so but you know uh did did get the win here uh, you know and she didn't need the golden ticket right she's already in so she was in through the ultra trail world tour yep. rankings or whatever so yes so the the tickets rolled down to two and three uh cecilia flory from yep. italy and stephanie uh, austin from uh, australia uh coming in second and third and taking those tickets only a 10 minute gap between camille and third place only five Pretty minutes tight. back to cecilia yeah and, but, I mean, Cecilia, a great runner who's had some great international um, results, but not somebody I would normally put on Camille's level. Yeah, I mean, I think she's a little bit more comfortable in the mountains, isn't she? Isn't she the kind of uh, better sort of UTMB type, right. type racing rather than the... I mean, that's my impression of, of her, yes. Yeah. And Black Canyon, from what I understand, is a pretty runnable course. Yeah, it seems runnable. Now, so, right. So you have Camille on the trails, maybe not her favorite surface. You have Cecilia on a more runnable course, um, you know, maybe not her favorite surface. Who knows? I'm not, I'm not really yeah, sure, but to, to only see like a five or six minute gap. And it sounds like it was basically that all day. It sounds like Camille opened up a five minute gap right away and that was right. it. Yeah. And never really got further away. Uh, I don't want to say there's concern there necessarily, but certainly a race that I would have expected her were she in top form to win by significantly bigger margins so i don't know if we want to take any uh, any um conclusions away from that or or just say you know it's just an early season race that she's i think training through or anything like that you know she had a golden ticket she got ahead maybe she just kind of kept it there um hard hard to know really but a good start to the year for her i mean you know a, a good win maybe not the best field but uh, still, well, it's a more impressive know. win than starting the year with Tarawera 100 mile, which she did last year. Um, yeah, this so, is a little bit I mean, more. This is a bigger deal, certainly. Race, yeah, so. And a, a better field there. So, yeah. So, you know, that's that's uh, uh, at least a solid win on paper. Corinne Malcolm back in 10th and, and a name that we frequently see. Alicia Huddleston in fourth place. Um, again, one spot out of the, the golden ticket. Yeah. So that's that's too bad. Magda was there. I, I hadn't realized that. Yeah, DNF though, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah she's sure, she's sure. been, I mean, you know, the funny thing about Magda is she's been doing this for so fucking long. Yeah. Like, not, and not even on the ultra scene. Like, she had a right. huge career. She was an Olympian, obviously, yeah. before she even, you know, started yeah, in our ultra. little uh, neck of the woods, yeah. nape of the way. So, you know, I mean, she's on the downside, obviously, and, you know, is, is going to be hit or miss, I think, from here on out. But, uh, you know, I always prefer to see her running well. She's a she's a great personality. The men's side, another Dave Roche special. Yeah, Hayden Hay- Hawks, right? Hayden Hawks is really just he's he's just on down fire. Some fast runs, yeah, that's great. That's awesome to see that. Almost uh, an over twenty minutes actually margin of victory over Charlie Ware. Charlie Ware, yeah. 
The third place uh, Canadian guy, Elliot Cardin. Yep. I don't really know much about him, but obviously Charlie Ware. He and he and Charlie came in, I think, right near each other. I don't know if oh, they right, okay. tied together or they were just within a, a few seconds or whatever it was. But yep. Hayden also already into Western States. Yeah. Uh, so Charlie and Elliot both taking golden tickets there. And and that was kind of it. it. It was a right. hell of a drop off after oh, that. Really after that? Wow. I'm fourth place, Ben Cook in 855. So another 40 minutes. Right. Uh, Jesse Haynes, who has been top 10 multiple times at Western States, was fifth in nine flat. So over an hour right. behind Hayden and 40 minutes out of the out of the uh, the, the podium. Hmm. Um, it was just a little weird, I think, uh, you know, for a race that we normally associate with a, a super deep field or, or, you know, at least some really hot racing up front. I mean, look, Hayden's in fine form now and, and he's tough to stick with. But, yeah. you know, to, to only have... Five five guys within even an hour of him, you know that's that's surprising. Tyler Siegel, who I, I had thought would contend, uh, it sounds like he dropped out pretty early. Oh right, okay. Corey Waltering, who, you know, also kind of an up and down guy with a ton of yeah. potential, but no, you know, has struggled with consistency. Uh, uh, DNF there as well, and I know he had been pointing towards that for a while. Yeah, I heard he, he wanted really to, focused on that race. Yeah, he he was he was at states when i was there with brian so that was two years ago i guess oh, right okay. and he'd run a, that was a, i think his hundred mile debut he had been right around just under 20 hours i think and right around the top 20 and i know he had wanted to go back and was really targeting this so yeah uh, my guess is we'll probably see him at sonoma if i had to if i, I have no knowledge on that but mm-hmm. i would i would guess that's probably the case if he's really committed to to trying to race western states again so we'll see how that turns out but yeah, a little surprised at how shallow the men's side was there. Right. Um, after Hayden and uh, and Charlie, who who obviously has has been on the scene for quite some time. So those are the first two golden ticket races of the year. The next one being the Georgia Death Race in just a few weeks, and yeah. you will be there chasing your own ticket. I'll huh? be there. Yeah. I mean, looking at maybe the field's not going to be that deep. Maybe I've got a chance. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, <laughs> it's a course could that could be a whole different. I got to tell you, it's, it's a short. It's a course that that should suit you, right? right? I mean, it's a nice mix of it's a seventy-four mile that's actually only five miles long. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a nice mix of I think big climbs, but runnable terrain. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I gotta think you got You're gonna do pretty well. Yeah, I'm excited to go there. I mean, someone said the you know the climbing is kind of near the start, and then it's more runnable in the middle with a bit of climbing at the end. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Should be good. And you've been climbing a ton recently. I've done a little little time up in the Catskills. Yeah, tell everybody Snow what your big on. project was this year. Uh, single season winter. Well, I finished my winter peaks, but actually, I had to go beyond that and do a single season winter round. Right. So, so all just, 35 peaks in the Catskills. Yeah, did which... them in about five or six weeks. So <laughs> that was in the winter, kind of good. No, yes, this in the winter. This is not not the hardest winter to do them in. Maybe no, it wasn't. I had to break trail a few times in mm-hmm. some pretty rough conditions, but I was I was pretty lucky most of the time. So you've got the vert, you got the fitness. Yeah. Have you seen a start list? I have seen the start list. There's no one on there that really scares me. So no. I you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they will terrify me, but no. uh, actually, I had a look at it. I can't remember really who was on it, but we'll. Uh, all right. We'll see. I, still, I, I have Western States weekend open. All right. You're putting me down as your dark horse at Georgia Death Race? <laughs> All right. I like it. You get that ticket. You got yourself your pacer. <laughs> you're, you're good to go. All right. Sounds good. It's gonna, that's an incentive <laughs> for me. 
That'll be good. So we'll be on, yeah, when is that? That's the last weekend in March? Yeah, 28th of March. So we'll come back early April and have much more to say about Georgia Death Race. I'll give we'll you get the a blow by blow. We'll get, a, we'll get a blow by blow from you. We'll get the yeah. recap. And um, we do have some off the field stuff about that race that we wanted to discuss also that we'll, we'll table yeah. until that point. Hopefully, uh, I'll have a railroad spike at that point. But Yes, exactly. Exactly. All right. So let's talk about some of the other big races that have been contested over the past couple of months. I wanted to start, I just wanted to go back briefly to across the years because that is kind of the, I guess, the end of last year and the beginning of this year, obviously kicking off the, the 2020 season um, for Ultra Run of the Year purposes and, and I guess calendar purposes as well. Uh, we mentioned Camille's DMNF, which was one of the bigger stories, actually, that came out of there. It was kind of a quiet year at all, at across yeah. the years this year. Not a ton of, you know, really knock-your-socks-off performances. The 24-hour was won by Chris Pope uh, in with 141 miles. That's a pretty strong performance, yeah. and I heard the, the conditions were not awesome this year. Right. Um, it was hot? Or? It was hot, yeah, okay. from what I heard. Um, and 141 miles, it's, it's a little bit short of the, the minimum standard for the men for the world championship team, but a really solid, solid showing there. Uh, Chevette Breslin, who's an accomplished 100-mile and 24-hour runner, uh, 117 miles for the women's win. Not much going on in the 48-hour other than uh, Camille's drop, as we talked about. Pete Kostelnik, his six-day debut, he did take right. the win there. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So that was fun to see, although uh, he, he was he was fun to follow on Instagram during the race because he was posting quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, he had some major, major struggles, and I think one of the main issues that he had there was he could not sleep. Like, he really? kept trying wow. to sleep and couldn't do it. So I don't know if he eventually got to sleep, like, five oh, days in, but off. it was, like, three or four days. He was, yeah. like... He, he would keep posting, like, I tried to lie down for half an hour. It didn't work. Wow. And so he really was going on no so sleep. So he was in full hallucination mode, <laughs> just wandering around the desert. It awful. Uh, did take the win with 444 miles yeah. there. Um, not a not a standout performance, but uh, I'm sure he took a lot of lessons out of that one. The biggest performance, I thought, was Annabelle Hepworth of New Zealand, 740 miles to win the 10-day outright. Wow. Um, That's crazy. By a lot, by like yeah. 80 miles. Yeah. Um, and 7.40 for a 10-day, I mean, we'd have to ask uh, some of the... roughly 74 miles 74 a day. miles a day. A Georgia death race a day. It's yeah. A, it's on a running track, right? For 10 days. Wow. That's really impressive. It was, I mean, and she was out front, like, just from the beginning with a huge lead and yeah. just kept building on it. I mean, it was wow. just following, you know, from afar was, was pretty impressive. So, again, I'm, I'm not sure how good that is. I think it's really good for a, a female 10-day performance. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of cool. Another big story coming out of the early part of the year, the Jackpot Ultra Festival was the 100-mile road championships for at least the second year in a row, if not more. And there were some really fairly impressive performances there. Two course records on the men, both the men's and the women's side. Mark Hammond, who repeated oh, wow. as yeah, the champ okay. there, running 13.04, best, besting his course record from last year. It's a pretty solid time. Yeah, very. That's and uh, Maria Lizak on the women's side, um, who had run really, really well at Desert Solstice, and I don't yeah. remember exactly what her total yeah, was, but we talked about her then. Yeah, she had a very good run there. And came back with a 15-15 for a course record for the women. Two really, really solid performances there. Um, the men's top three was all under 14 hours. Jake Jackson, who we've talked about a bunch yeah. as uh, one of the men's 24-hour team members yeah. last year for the, the gold medal team. I think he was second for the, for the men's team last year in that gold medal performance. Second place here in 13-33. Really Pretty solid showing yeah. there. 
And uh, John Knoll, a name I'm not familiar with, but a 1355, a pretty solid showing there yeah. as well. Ashley Truen in, in second for the, the women and, and Connie Gardner, the ageless Connie Gardner, uh, third place in, in 1734. Um, so the, the U.S. champions there, uh, Maria and Mark. And course records did get them a little bit of a bonus. They each made a few thousand bucks on that one. So good for them. Um, speaking of U.S. champs and golden ticket races, a couple of races that have until very recently been U.S. championships and golden ticket races, uh, Rocky Raccoon and Sean O'Brien. Let's talk a little bit about those. Let's start with Rocky Raccoon. Yeah, I mean, I thought Rocky Raccoon, I mean, hasn't had the field it's had recently. And that's exactly the impression I that I got. It's kind of a shame because I, mean, I think it, it's a cool race. I mean, you know, we, we talk a lot about the the USATF championships and what what do they mean and what do they bring to the race and that sort of thing. I, I have to say, I think it's undeniable that at least in the case of Rocky Raccoon, in the last two years since the U.S. championships have moved elsewhere, it's been a loss. It's It's yeah. been a loss for them in terms of the field strain. I mean, the winner on, on the men's side, Evan Dare. Yep. Um, I don't really know him. 15.23, I mean, decent time. Yeah, I mean a good time, but uh, you know this is a course that has given up a sub thirteen. This is a course yeah. that's given up multiple sub fourteens. Uh, yeah, I mean Ronnie I mean, Delzer. It was a, it was a who tight was, race between the top three men. Um, yeah, fifteen twenty three for the winner, fifteen twenty eight second place, and fifteen thirty. So it's reasonably tight race, but you know, like you said, I mean there's been some fast runs there. Yeah, and you know these are several hours off those runs. Yeah, exactly. And uh I mean similarly for the women, uh Maria Silti uh 1843, I don't know if I'm saying that name right. I, I mean these are names that we we don't really know that you know don't usually pop up. Yeah. Uh 1843, solid time, but Second again this is, this is a, this is a race that has given up sub 17 in the past. Yeah. Um for for women maybe even sub 16 if I'm remembering correctly. Mm. And right, second and third, both over 20 hours. Yeah. Um, we're, we're certainly not seeing the depth there that we've seen in recent years. Sean O'Brien, the 100K, kind of a similar story. This was a race that until recently was a golden ticket race and, and used to draw a pretty solid field. Uh, you know, nowadays, I mean, these, these are names that either are, you know, a little bit less known or completely unknown. Um, the 100K, uh, Daniel Kwan for the yep. men over yeah. Ruperto Romero. I mean, Ruperto, we talk about a lot um, in the kind of the, some of the longer California 100-mile, 100, 100K races. Yeah. But, you know, that guy's in his, like, mid-50s. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. somebody who I would have expected to be on the podium of Sean O'Brien even a couple of years ago. Lucia Bueller for the women and Susan O uh, on the top of the podium there. Again, not names that I'm, that I'm I can't say I'm familiar with really at all. Um, the 50 mile there, which usually is the less competitive of the two distances this year for the men, at least was, we had a little bit more of a, a showing where, uh, Debo and Yassine both came down from Portland and went one, two. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, nice to see them returning to form, but yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, this is again, the kind of thing where are we a little bit overstretched in terms of all these races? There are so many races for people to choose from now. And unless you have the tie-in with a USATF championship or a golden ticket or some sort of race series or something, are you just not going to be able to draw the same kind of crowds, even for these really well-established races that, I mean, look, we've been, to, we've been to Rocket Raccoon multiple times, both of us. We love it. We love, yeah. you know, Chris McWaters and, and everyone over races, at Te yeah. Tejas Trails. They put on great races, yep. but 
it's we're just seeing it's hard to it's hard to get the same publicity and the same maybe we're getting a little stretched here for the yeah races, like i mean you say. we're we're up over 2000 ultra run races a year across all distances it, it it may we may be approaching a bubble i don't know i don't know because it's going to be a problem if a lot of these races that are not you know golden tickets or or otherwise if they can't draw top talent i mean look it's you know it's a very broad tent that or a very big tent that that this sport encompasses and it's not all about the elites although on this show yeah. obviously that's what we focus on the most um and you know certainly there's a role for non-elite races out there for sure but it is it's just a little disappointing to see these races that we've come to know and love and and to to as fans of the sport to look forward to to see these big battles and and to see it kind of fall by the wayside that's a little bit it's a i don't want to say it's sad but it's it's disappointing yeah yeah i mean i would say with uh debo running there debo won by a lot i mean i think he was like an almost an hour and a half ahead of your scene yeah it was it was not you close. know he's uh, it's good to see debo back running running fast yeah, so I mean, his, you know, I haven't talked to him for a while. His, I, I think his big goal for the year is Hard Rock, assuming right. that's on again. <laughs> Sounds like it probably will be. I haven't heard any so. reason why not. And yeah, I mean, if, if that same that same feel that we were so excited about last year, if everyone kind of makes it through and healthy again, that there's going to be fireworks there. Yeah, that so should be great. We'll Let's talk, hope so. We'll talk a lot more about that, uh, obviously, as we start to move into the summer few other big races we wanted to touch on we'll do kind of rapid fire um one of the traditional early season classics is the hurt 100 and uh the top two from last year on the men's side came back and flipped spots and we saw a win from trevor fuchs who's been trying to get that one right for the last couple of years yeah, and then Nate Jaquar second, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I guess reasonably close. I mean, it was like thirty minutes. It was within about thirty them. minutes. Yep, on a on a very That's long a tough, slog tough of a course. That's yeah. a you know twenty two hour and change kind of kind of place for the winner most years. Maybe just under twenty two. Is the yep. course record under twenty? I know Gary Robbins has the course record. I think record. it is under twenty. Yeah, yeah, Gary Robbins. Gary Robbins was actually there, which is great to see as well. I mean, finally he getting healthy. Right, he's out. He's running. You know, tough courses looks like he's training hard again and he's announced that he's doing uh, Barkley. So that's really cool. I think really? we're really rooting for that guy. Oh, know? excellent. Excellent. I hadn't seen that. So that'll be good. That'll be, I'll, I'll f- maybe care a little bit about Barkley this year between Gary and Maggie. Maybe, be I'll, maybe I'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. I, I mean, at this point, you nothing would make me happier than to see him get a finish there. That'd be amazing. Let's get a second beer. What do we got now? Yeah, we got a, uh, a start line brewing. Hopload IPA. This is really good. This one I've had it before. It's excellent. Let me uh, correct this. Start line out of Hopkinton, Massachusetts. Yeah. Have you been there? You've been there. Is there anything that happens in Hopkinton, Massachusetts? Something in mid-April or something. I think some sort of little race. Have you run Boston? No. That's a shame. You really should. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get in there one day. I'm gonna try and qualify. You've qualified a gazillion times. Well, not recently, but. I'll give no, it not go. recently, but you haven't tried recently either. No, I don't like road running, really. I know you don't, but you, yeah. everyone should run Boston once. Cheers. Here's to my Boston qualifier. There or you, don't you, you call go. it a BQ? The cool kids do. Mm. That's good. Nice and refreshing. If I get some of those uh, bouncy shoes that you've <laughs> you got, those pink bouncy you got to get those pink bouncy shoes. Those things are ridiculous. I'll easily qualify. Fucking ridiculous, i got to tell you. Yeah, I can't They're wait really to get ridiculous. Them can't wait if they make slippers so I can get around the house and do more stuff, sort the kids out. 
Anna Albrecht winning Hurt for the Women, we should mention. Um, yeah, second uh, place, Denise Borassa. Three-hour difference between first and second. She was tired. She did uh, Brazos Bend. Denise did. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, she was second there, too, I think. Yeah, she right? was. Ju- yeah. Julie Kaifitz was first, is that right? It's only like a three three or four weeks between the races, so pretty yeah, good that's turnaround pretty tight. for her. That's pretty tight. Susanna Bond in third. I think yeah. Denise and Susanna both, at least in their 40s. Susanna might be right. in their 50s. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, Sabrina, I guess, the defending maybe champ we'll, there, not making it back. So Maybe we'll get Coop and Sage to comment on the recovery of these, <laughs> these athletes. <laughs> what else we got? We've got a spine race, right? We've got to talk about that. It's in the, in the homeland. Yeah. In the old, uh, good old United Kingdom running uh, the Pennine Way. Here, let's, south let's, to name, north. let's name check Dave Roche again and give him a little toast there yeah. as one of his athletes, again, takes home the win there. Yeah, and one of, your, one of your personal heroes. Yeah, definitely one of my heroes, yeah. New men's course record, 87 hours, 53 minutes. Smine Race is just an unbelievable-looking slog through central Britain. It follows the Pennine Way, which is like a classic uh, hiking trail. 268 miles? 268 miles. goes from uh, Sheffield up, uh, up north over to Scotland, just across the border in Scotland. Unreal. And it looked like it was quite an epic year. They had a huge uh, storm rolling through. They had snow coming down. So it was looked hard. The women's winner was uh, Sabrina Virgie. Spine race came on a lot of people's radar on this side of the pond last year because Jasmine Paris yeah. won, and, won overall and set the overall course record yeah, there. Like 84 hours? 83, or I think. 83, yeah. yeah. And that so record's still impressive. standing even after, I mean, John now has the, the men's course record, yeah. uh, but still uh, about four hours behind yeah, so Jasmine. Cool. That, was, that was a crazy, crazy performance. Maybe we'll see her at Barclay. We might. We that might. Be good. And I, I think the spine race, I think, speaking of Barkley, I mean, I, I think Nikki Spinks has won the spine race in the past. And sh- I think she. I think you're right, yeah. She'll be at Barkley as well, from what I've heard. So, yeah, def- definitely a lot of uh, kind of crossover there, I think, between those two kind of things, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, John with a, I think about an 18, no, about a 13 hour margin of victory in that race. Yeah, something like that. It was pretty wild to see. So. Um, good on him, and, and it's good to see. You know, he's had some struggles with health as well, uh, and he was at uh, TDG last year. I think we had talked about him briefly. Yes, um, yeah, he was. And had a, had a solid finish there, but yep. uh, not on the podium or anything like that. Great to see a little bit of redemption there. I, st- I mean, obviously still one of only seven, 17 Barclays yeah. finishers. Yeah. Which is... Well, I think 15 different people. 15 different it? guys. Or 17 finishes or like 18 that. finishes well, like that. I mean, how many, how many multiples are Jared's three. Yeah, and um, Brett is and two. And Brett is two, right? and that's it, I think, right? I yeah, think so that's correct, something, yeah. Something in that range. Yeah. Uh, Tarawera, another early season. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I thought it was cool to see uh, Tom Evans there. It's like crushing it, you know? Tom Evans is the fucking man. Yeah, he's, he's definitely, I mean, I think uh, States is going to be exciting. You know, Tom Evans has got to be a, a contender. You know, go look at Jared last year. Then was he coming back for States? Uh, I thought he was. I hope I so. I hope he is. I hope so. That would be... See I, how he I, just I, can't I stop talking about states. He's, he's so good and so consistent. Yeah. You know? Like, he's always up there. It's so great. And, I mean, he dominated the shit out of that race. Like, it was oh, like yeah. a... It was he like was a 30-minute uh, margin yep. of victory, I think. Yep. Uh, over uh, Matthew Blanchard uh, out of Canada, 
who we've seen down at Bear Mountain a few times. I yeah, think he's that's won the right. 50 mile there. Yeah. It's a he, very I solid think he won it the year I did it, which was two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was only like an hour and a half ahead of me, so pretty good effort. <laughs> uh, Chris Brown, who another one of our favorites here, a guy who likes to sometimes fly under the radar, but yeah. you know when the chips are down, yeah, he usually cool. runs really well. He was just behind Matthew in 840 for third. Sage, fifth Sage place, 854. Pat Regan, right yeah. behind him in sixth. Uh, Catlow Shypeck, who I've run against at yeah. like Rocky, ninth, I think. He? he was eighth or ninth, so some good shows there. Yeah, but, it was but, actually a decent field, really. I mm-hmm. mean, like... Maybe not the best they've had, but it's pretty decent. No, it's pretty solid, yeah, yeah for sure. And, uh, you know, Tom just totally dominating that field there. The women's side, uh, some some names I wasn't as familiar with. Manuela Sokol from Belgium yeah. taking the win there. A uh, name I've yep. heard but don't know too much about. Anne-Marie Madden, who pops up on here all the time, a strong second. Yep. Uh, Nicole Bitter, who was uh, over there with Zach. Zach, uh, She was uh, fourth, right? Nicole was fourth. Zach, yeah. Zach I think, fell and, and was back in the uh, teens or 20s, right. I think. okay. And, you know, Lucy Bartholomew, good to see you coming yeah, back. Yeah, that was great to see her back out there. Yeah, uh, you know, not not setting the world on fire, but in, somewhere in the top 15. And yeah, uh, I feel like she took a little bit of a break, like mm-hmm. a mental break, you know, a physical break, and now she's kind of seems motivated yep. back. So that, that's really good to see. Listening to some of her interviews after States last year or, or around UTMB CCC time, she sounded burned out, like yeah. she had she had really burned out after States. And, and uh, yeah, it She's still my favorite Instagram follow. She's just yeah, so, so cool. positive and everything else. And it is great to see her. I know she's in Nepal right now just from right. following her on Instagram. I don't know if she's racing there or just, uh, you know, traveling. She seems to have a pretty good life. She does. Yeah. <laughs> seems to have fun. Um, Els McDonald, who is a, a name that we uh, also frequently comes up, another Canadian, uh, winning the 100 mile there at Tarawera. Four hours uh, back to second place there um, wow. for Els McDonald. Um so, again, the, the hundred mile there being kind of the JV race, but you know, yeah. may, maybe hopefully in a couple of years we'll start to see some some bigger performances out of that one. Couple other quick ones before we sign off for the the month. A couple of, of age group American records at the Jed Smith Fifty, which is one of the faster road fifty miles in the in the world or in the country, I should say. Uh, Beverly Anderson Abs, who you know is is a, a mainstay of the the trail and road scene. Yeah. One of the few female Barkley fun runners, yeah, run a six thirty one to set the American age wow. group, uh, the American fifty five to fifty nine age group record there for fifty miles. That is impressive. That really is. That's freaking moving, man. Yeah, that <laughs> That's is really that good. is pretty freaking crazy. Devin Yanko with a fast fifty k three twenty seven there, and wow, I know I bagged on Camille's three twenty seven last year, but a solid performance for Devin as she's. Yeah gearing up for the Olympic trials next yeah. m- next week. Yep. Um, so, you know, similarly, Camille ran hers gearing up for the 24-hour uh, worlds. Worked pretty well for her running that 327 and then coming back and setting a world record. Maybe Devin sets the world on fire next week in Atlanta. Hopefully, we're wishing her the best. Rich Hanna in the 50K, 326, second overall, but an, another American record in the 55 to 59 age group, 326. Yeah. It's pretty good. I don't know if you could run a 326 at this age. Well, I'll get better as I get older. When that's, I get into the 55, 59, I'll, I'll be like a 320. That's always the way. Just like you'll be running this weekend probably, right? No. Come on. No. Believe in yourself. Oh, and I'm all about the self-belief, man. Positive positive talk. Positive self-talk. I like it. I like it. Orcas Island, 100 mile. Malcolm Suarez, Canadian winning. And then Alex Borsuk, 
another one of our team members. That's right. Winning. That's right. Did you see the conditions, race? the trail conditions it there? It looked absolutely <laughs> epic. It, it was, like, was like knee deep. Raining. <laughs> constant rain. Yeah, it looked crazy. So that, yeah, it looked like a, a very tough day out. So that was cool. Indeed. Indeed. Moab Red Hot, another early season tune-up for a lot of the fast West Coast or, or uh, Southwestern folks. A rare loss for Matt Daniels came in. Yeah. Uh, a close second at uh, at Moab behind Brian Whitfield, um, 347 to 350. And uh, Abby Hall winning for the women in 445. That's usually a, a yeah, people who I feel like people who run well at, at Moab kind of go on to have a good season. It's right. it's it's a, a good tune up for a lot of fast mm-hmm. uh, spring racing. Formidable 50K, another one that's not the U.S. champs this year that uh, I think the field suffered for not being the champs again. Right. Tim Tolfson did defend there, but uh, a 20 minute margin of victory. And, yep. and uh, Lindsay uh, Tolfson, his wife for the women, um, uh, winning on the women's side there. That's cool. Anything else? um coastal challenge in costa rica yeah that's a that uh, just looks, looks fun cool. <laughs> yeah it looks that looks really i mean awesome. the, the whole idea of stage racing to me just seems awesome yeah it looks it looks good and then you know you're kind of crushing it during the day and then just hanging out a little bit yeah. night showered you know like having a, having some food yeah look good i don't know um, what the fields are like there but cody lind and caitlin gerben yeah, who are so names that we often have we in the top great, tens so, for the year yeah. with uh with the wins there so that's 143 miles i think the, the yep. distance for that one over six days i think it is yeah and uh it's a real mix of like you know i saw pictures of people running along the beach with water kind of around them and through jungle some jungle and stuff, stuff and like it, it so, sounds pretty technical too yeah it's, it sounds like so a, that, a, that actually looked really good yeah um harvey lewis uh, winning the long haul 100 in a pretty good time of 1555 on a hot day down in florida yeah. mountain mist which was my first ultra marathon all right down in atlanta not Atlanta, sorry. Second beer in. There you go. Down in Alabama. Okay. Um, outside of Birmingham. Dave Riddle winning for the fourth year in a row, the eighth time overall down there wow. at Mountain Mist. And Liz Canty for the women winning there for at least the second year in a row and maybe more. She'll be at Barclays as well, I think. I think so, yeah. So, and and that's getting pretty close. Yeah, it's, it's normally, it's end of March, I End think? of March, beginning of April, right? Yeah, right? March, beginning of April, so something like that. We're only a few weeks away from that. That'll be that'll be good. The World Snowshoe Championships, I just want to touch on really quickly. Did you right. see any of that? Because there were some I names. I saw some pictures of people standing on podiums. <laughs> there were some names good. that uh, we talk about a lot here. Yeah. Michelle Hummel, who, again, Dave Roach client, winning the right. World Championship yeah. there and leading the That's U.S. Good. women to uh, the gold medal. And Joe Gray, name that we love on this podcast yeah. we love joe he gray loves winning stuff he loves winning stuff he was fourth there and led the u.s men to second place and uh cole crosby on that team we yeah, wanted to that's cool do yeah, a quick shout team. out for cole i think i'm going to see him this weekend at comset as well oh nice yeah he, he said he'll be there frozen branch which is i think the winter version of the twisted branch or is in the okay. same vicinity i believe so that's the ithaca kind of area uh like rochester i think okay. somewhere so around there um properly freezing and cold just wanted to mention chrissy mole coming out to slum it with us on the east coast and winning for the women second nice. overall um, oh wow yeah so uh and you know that race that race sold out in about 20 minutes this year the frozen branch no twisted, twisted branch. branch yeah twisted branch wow yeah so that's gonna uh, maybe it's like a states qualifier is that the it is that's oh wow okay that's, that's what it is yeah. states qualifier and there yeah. you go 20 minutes gone races. so uh that might be that might be a lottery sooner rather than later also in new york uh the beast of burden winter there's a you know those uh both the winter and the summer yeah. 100 mile 
That's also out in western New York. I think that's like on Lake Erie. That's a cold fucking yeah, day in the winter. Was, that is cold. Pete Kostelnik's second year in yeah, a row I with the win. That was very cool. That was the race where he broke his arm last year. And okay. I think he broke his arm about 30 miles in and still won the race. Um, wow. Yeah. And so not a lot of turnaround for him between a um, six across day at across the years yeah. and then coming back for Beast of Burden. So it's all about the recovery. I guess, yeah. yeah. Something about the IGF one, right, Sage? Maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll draw a chart. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, that's very good. Good for him. And the last thing I wanted to mention, um, 50K world treadmill record for Mario Mendoza. Did you see that? Saw that. That was, was cool. Like the high school gym mm-hmm. or whatever. We had a crowd there. Yeah, like, it was awesome. That was amazing. It was, was it great. Two, 247 or something? No, or? 259. Oh, 259. 259 low. Took about 40 seconds off of Wardian's yeah. previous record from, wow. I think Wardian had set it. I forget the story. I remember at the time it was like he was on like a cruise ship with his oh, family yeah. Yeah. and he like said it and I can't remember if it was that he was on the cruise ship and he said it, but it didn't count because it hadn't been ratified. So he like rat- he like got somebody to ratify the treadmill and said it again three days later, not Maybe on the cruise ship or it, or he said it before he went on the cruise and it didn't get ratified so then he said I, it, something yeah. involving cruise ship it was and, and two two attempts like literally like three or four days apart that's amazing yeah you can do that yeah um so do you have to have a certain type of treadmill like you'll have a woodway or a, like a nordic track or i mean what's the i, I have really no idea right. i'm sure they need to measure the belt yeah. and you know somehow uh calibrate it yeah. or whatever cool have you ever run on a woodway no i just i just hear all these things i've heard they're amazing but i don't know yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, last time we bought one, uh, a treadmill, which was a couple of years ago, I, I was so close to just plunking down like six grand Buy on a woodway, like yeah. sight unseen, you know, just like, what the <laughs> hell? Everyone says they're awesome. The big story coming up this weekend is the Olympic trials yeah. marathon. And we are we'll all very excited to do, see right? what Jim can do. There's a ton of you know, trail and ultra kind of names that on both the men's and the women's side, Anthony Castales, who we talk about here a lot, who's been at the front of a lot of kind of the North Face, Lake Sonoma, Moab type type uh, races. Zach Ornelas, who is the defending, I guess not defending, but uh, last year's U.S. Uh, 50K champ um, in under 350, I believe, or right around 350, 351. He'll be there. Patrick Smythe, another highly accomplished 50K, 100K guy. Uh, Jim, obviously, is the big story. There was a big profile of him in the New York Times. Did I you saw see that. It? it was actually pretty good. It actually was. I, just, I don't know why people just aren't talking about the pink bouncy shoes. Is he going to wear them or is he not? He's I think not. he's not going to wear them. There's no way he is. And what are they worth over the course? Two, three minutes? Maybe. It's, big, it's a lot, to, it's a lot to give up. decision to make. It's a lot to, to give to up for shoes. somebody who, I mean, whether or not Jim can make the team i, I think anyone well, would say he's got without the shoes, at least a shot right that's the thing and if you make the team your life changes as a runner i i, I mean look none of us will neither of us will ever be in this sort of position but well i don't have the shoes <laughs> <laughs> but i mean it's it seems if if you have any sort of shot of making the team i don't see how you can go into the race without them it, it just I, seems crazy i totally agree i mean it's just you know, a minute's too much, right? And they're worth more than a minute, aren't they? I mean, according to 
According to the research, yeah. I guess. And according to the 90% of people, elite runners on a start line that you see wearing them, they probably agree with those. I mean, those as numbers. you know, I bought a pair just to wear them at Comset. And yeah. I'm not going to be in contention at Comset. I just didn't right. want to be the only idiot on the line not wearing them. <laughs> that honestly was my thought process. Yeah. So, I mean, who the hell knows? Tyler Andrews, previous USATF 50K champ and the reigning... Um, 50 mile champ uh, from Tussie will be there as well. So, and a, a ton of names on the women's side as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, Lottie Albertson Junkins, who uh, we love, Camelia Mayfield, uh, Ia Wang has a qualifier. She'll be yeah. there. Devin, we mentioned before, will be there. Ellie Lindsay Pell. Tollefson, we mentioned before, will be there. Ellie Pell, yeah. our uh, upstate New York friend, uh, yeah. among many others. So, be good. good luck to all. Yeah. Uh, I will be following very, very closely. That'll be great. Next time we will be on, I will be post Comset, you will be post GDR, and we will discuss those we'll results. Post Barclay. Yeah, uh, maybe, Ish. maybe. We'll yeah, there, no, right? we'll probably close. do it right after Barclay. So we'll discuss right. the results of the next Golden Ticket Race, the USA TF 50K Championships, and we'll see whether we get a finisher at Barclays this year. And marathon trials, I guess. We and the marathon Jim. trials, I mean, maybe. We mentioned him eight times tonight, which is a record low. <laughs> I guess we can skip the the section on his recent training in Strava, so <laughs> I think everyone knows that, right? Phil, thanks so much. This was fun, as was always. Good. And uh, good luck coming up at GDR. And everyone else out there, thank you for listening. Until next time in the pain cave, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Broken down and beaten up. The years have been long and tough, but I'm not dead. Happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my head. I'm not jaded, just been faded like a good old pair of jeans. Rusted like a proud old car that's drove a little too far and seen too much rain. But long ago, as a child, I look about the night sky in the bus and feel upset to think of all the years I'd have to go through there I was still young I was still